Hey there, welcome to the Kitchen Sink Podcast. I'm Camille, and this is the podcast for women that want to create a dream kitchen without stress and costing a fortune. If you like no fluff, tell it like it is remodeling advice from a cabinet maker with over 30 years experience, then you are in the right place. I am so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Welcome to episode two of Countertop Week. I am so excited to get into this and, you know, just really, really break down pretty much everything I can think of to help you guys make a great choice when you're picking your own countertop. And so this is a special week where I'm really diving deep into a lot of the details, things that I've, you know, kind of know in my head after doing fabrication for a long time. But it is, you know, there's a lot of choices out there. So I can definitely understand why it's, very difficult to ascertain what's the best thing for you. Um, again, we're going to have uh, several more episodes throughout the rest of the week. So you're going to want to stay tuned and listen in. Today's whole topic is just about all the different kinds of the, basically the different types of countertops. And I mean, specifically to stone kind of stone ish types of countertops. Um, so I'm going to cover two briefly, really quickly, which are, uh, wood butcher block tops and concrete. I'm just going to kind of get those out of the way. I don't consider those viable options at all. And I'll explain why. Of course, they're beautiful. And so if I ever specify them in a kitchen, I'm using them in a way that's really for for beauty and for, um, you know, just because they're pretty, right? I, w- I personally would never specify them for an actual workable kitchen, unless it's like a certain kind of client that just already really, really understands the severe limitations of both of those materials. So uh, I will cover those both really quickly, and then I'm going to dive deep into um, granite, quartz, quartzite, uh, uh, you know, what is an engineered stone, natural stones, uh, and then some of these uh, newer stones called ultra compact. And so I'm going to get into that and a little bit about marble. Remember, we're going to have a whole entire episode just on marble because there's so much about it that is attractive and appealing and beautiful, but it really, it really deserves its own episode. So that's what we're covering today. And, um, so basically I'm going to start, I'm going to cover a range of, uh, qualities or features, and then I'm going to tell you what, what is happening with each material. So for instance, I'm going to talk about porous or non-porous, scratchable or non-scratchable, heat proof or not heat proof, um, natural versus man-made, pattern and color, whether or not it's available and whether or not it's easily repairable. And somewhere in the middle of that, I'm going to kind of talk a little bit about cost, but I'm going to have a whole entire episode where I just break down cost. It's too much to really go into here. And I feel like it's going to be, um, I feel like it's going to be too overwhelming. So I really just want to get into like the nitty gritty of the actual materials themselves. So you really understand what you're seeing when you walk into a showroom, right? Okay. So let's, let's just start very quickly with, um, the two that I was talking about wood and concrete. Okay. The reason I personally do not feel that butcher block is a viable choice for kitchen countertops is because it is extremely porous, extremely scratchable and extremely not heat proof. Uh, so it, it truly to me does not belong in a kitchen environment. Uh, if you see it in some of those like gorgeous photos of things, those are really staged, but I, I can tell you if you've seen that job, 
even three months later, six months later, it looks terrible, right? Uh, it's not that you cannot use a butcher block top, but you have to take extreme care with it, okay? Not only is it just sealed, but think about wood compared to a uh, stone, right? Like a stone is much harder. <laughs> it's much denser than wood. So no matter what, you absolutely have to use a counter, a, um, a, a cutting board, which I would recommend anyways. I would never, ever direct cook direct cut directly on a countertop personally um it's horrible on your knives it's it's more difficult to clean up like i would always use a cutting board okay but truly with butcher block you absolutely have to do that um and it's you know yes you you can technically resand the top but very few people are going to do that they don't have the actual sander that's going to make it look even so you end up with these patchy areas and it just it really really if you've if you've seen someone after you know, a couple of years, it just really looks terrible. So that's, that's butcher block. Now what I do with butcher block is if a customer really, really wants it, I will put it at the end of an island. So it's kind of a showpiece. It's someplace that you can set stuff on. You can cutly kind of quickly do something on it, but you're, it's not your main thing that you're cutting on all the time. And again, I would still cut on a cutting board. Okay. On that. Um, and if you remember back to when butcher block became really, really popular, I mean, I, I had butcher block, you know, 25 years ago in my, in my apartment. Okay. But I used it the way it was intended, which was sort of the old school way where you're cutting into it all the time and it gets this weathered look and you get these sort of dips in the countertop, these like shallow places where you're cutting and it's made to look like that, right? Like that's back then nobody cared how perfect your kitchen looked. But now it's so rare to find a client that that would be considered acceptable that, you know, if you think it's going to look perfect, like the day it was put in, that is just not going to happen. Okay. Not going to happen no matter how careful you are. So that's butcher block. So again, my suggestion would be to use it and integrate it in areas where it's not heavy traffic, heavy use from cutting and not heavy use from water because water is going to get through that, that seal no matter what. Um, no matter what any manufacturer tells you, that's what's going to happen. Okay. You have to be very, very careful with it. And then there's concrete and concrete is interesting because, you know, concrete is, can look very beautiful. It's a lot of work to put them in correctly. Um, but they need a lot of sealing. Okay. So I'm not saying there's not some versions of concrete that are more, that are denser and that take less upkeep. But the reality is that it is a uh, you know, concrete is made with water, right? And limestone and some, and, and, you know, crushed rock and all that, but it is imper It is like fallible with water. Okay. <laughs> like even if you look at your sidewalk outside, right? If water's running over a certain part of your yard and that sidewalk starts to crack and, and adjust and move, right? Like concrete is still can be changed with water. So with constant use, if it is not sealed, all the time, like very consistently throughout the year, um, the water will get through there. And once it gets through there, it's going to start to break down that concrete and you're going to get buckling. You're going to get all kinds of things. So I will eventually next week when I get a little bit more time, I'm going to post some pictures of uh, concrete jobs. So you guys can actually really see the reality of what it's like. So if you're taking really good care of it, if you really know its limitations, yes, it's a beautiful alternative, but the reality is it's a lot harder to find people that can do it correctly and, and you still need to really take care of it. Okay. So that's, I got wood and concrete out of the way. 
All right, so let's talk about the first thing I want to cover is something called the Mohs scare, Mohs scale. So this is specifically uh, the hardness that you can expect to happen when you are, you know, when you're trying to figure out what is actually harder than other things. There's this thing called a Mohs scale. Okay, it's made from it comes from back in the 1800s. Frederick Mohs was a German who created. He was a mineral mineralogist. And he created this um, scale that basically measures one mineral against another. And so this is what, as fabricators, we use to, um, if you're a good fabricator, you know the most scale of the materials that you're using. Okay, so to give you a little bit of a, of a context, a diamond is considered a 10 on the most scale. And so the most scale then goes all the way down to a 1, which would be like talc and gypsum. Calcite. These are super, super soft. They can be scratched with like a fingernail, with like a penny. Okay. And that is the range that marble's in. So marble has a Mohs scale, Mohs number of three. Okay. That, is, that means that you can scratch it with your fingernail, with a copper penny, with just about anything. Dragging your juice glass across it, <laughs> like anything. Your kid's backpack like almost anything, a plate, porcelain, almost anything will scratch marble. So it is a three on the Mohs scale. And then all the way up to quartz, which is a seven. So that that's kind of the range that we're talking about. And granite is a five or a six. So we're, we're talking between three and seven. And we're going to also talk about ultra compact stone, which I'm going to say is like an eight. Okay. Um, and so that's the range of hardness, of density, of materials that we're going to talk about today. So that's just a little bit of, you know, a little bit of background for you. So let's talk about the first one that I'm going to bring up, which is granite, okay? So I'm going to talk about granite. So what is granite, right? It's obviously the most common thing that everybody talks about and thinks about. So granite is formed. So first we're going to talk about like natural stones, then we're going to get into man-made stones, which I call engineered stone, okay? So granite is, you know, magma that came from the center of the earth that like bubbled up and crystallized, okay? But it is mostly made of quartz, okay? Um, you know, melted down quartz crystals. That's the mineral that's in granite, okay? And then bec because of where that hardened inside of the earth and then got pushed up to the surface for us to mine, there's obviously a large range of, density within that, right? Because some of those mineral components, some of those quartz components are softer than others, right? So there's a large range of color and variety, um, porosity, heat resistance, <clears throat> um, you know, pattern, just there's so much about it because it literally came from the earth, right? So you need to think about granite that way. Not all granites are the same and some are definitely harder than others. I'm going to say they're really the the four to six range, um, but there's definitely a range. There's a range in porousness. There's a range in heat resistance. So understanding the type of granite that you specifically are looking for is really important. Okay, so let me go over a few things though. It is definitely um, hard, right? It's durable, but it is porous, okay? It's porous. That means you need to seal it frequently. What does frequently mean? Several times of the year. Now, if you have a black granite, 
and you're sealing it and you spill red wine on it, you are not going to see that, <laughs> right? So we're not, the sealing is really just so that you don't see stains that are spread on top of it, okay? But if you have a white granite, a very light colored granite, and it is not sealed and you spill red wine on it, there's a chance that that's going to get absorbed in those little like fissures, those little mineral openings at the top of your material. Now there are repairs for that. There's things called poultices. Poultice, it like leaches the stains back out of the surface. So again, it's not like the end of the earth um, that you, you know, that you can't, if you don't seal your granite, it's not that difficult to do. Um, The real issue for me is that you know, it's still like people think granite is impervious to anything. Like it, it is heat resistant. It is not heat proof. So I personally would never put a hot pot on top of any of these materials. I just would not. I would always have a towel, a little trivet, a little wood, something, something just to break that initial contact that will save 90% of anything that can possibly happen, right? So no matter how hard it is, I would never put a pan on top of any of these materials. Okay, so that's granite. It is porous. It is, um, you know, pretty hard to scratch. Uh, It is heat resistant. It is natural. And there's a range of patterns and colors from solids to very extravagant, you know, beautiful, over-the-top, Um, just fantastical colors, right? Because it's in every color that the earth can make, basically. It is wildly available, so you can find lots of kinds of of granite all over the place. And it is easy to repair for us as a fabricator because of the range of colors, the range of of materials that we have to repair it. It's quite easy to repair. Uh, So that's granite. And because it is widely available, there's going to be a range of of material costs, right? So you can find granite that's incredibly inexpensive and granite that's incredibly expensive, but there's always something for everybody when it comes to granite. Okay. Uh, Okay. So that's granite. Now I want to talk a little bit about quartz. So this is a not, this is a man-made product. So quartz is in what we call the engineered stone category. Okay, engineered means humans had to engineer it. We had to think about how to make something new, right? So it is man-made. It does not come naturally out of the earth. And it is basically crushed quartz mineral mixed together with like this high-tech resin polyester epoxy basically they mix this they crush the quartz they mix it with this glue and then it gets cured and it's incredibly hard okay and it is a seven on the most scale and it is because it's engineered it's very very consistent so one of the downsides if i had to say of granite is that you need to be very careful about how you do your template we're going to talk about what the template is but like how you lay out the shape of the countertops, right? If you're going to match your field seams, those are those parts where the granite comes together. Um, You need to make sure that the person knows how to put those two together so they look as perfect as possible together side by side. Uh, Quartz is a lot easier to do that because the material is man-made. It is highly consistent, right? It's consistent in thickness. It's consistent in color from slab to slab to slab. It's not being cut out of the side of a mountain. So it's very consistent. So from a fabricator standpoint, an installer standpoint, it's a lot easier to work with because it is 
it is very consistent, right? It's also, I consider, um, can be less expensive because it's so wide, widely available. There's lots and lots of brands that you can choose between. So um, you're able to find a lot of range of selection, okay? So that's quartz. Now, the benefit, this is why I use quartz the most, is because quartz is non-porous, okay? And so for me, it's what I have in my own kitchen. It is non-porous. So that means if I spill a glass of red wine on it, it doesn't absorb into the surface. Um, it is definitely heat resistant. And um, so, I mean, again, I use I use trivets. I don't set a pan directly on it. But if you have a, you know, I don't know, a pot of boiling water and you set it on there for a few minutes or something, it's not going to do anything, right? So I personally like engineered stone. I like quartz. That is my favorite thing to work with now. There is now a wide range of patterns and colors. It's wild, widely available and it's easily repairable at, from a fabricator standpoint. Um, the other thing to remember is that um, because the slabs are really large, they're generally around 126 inches wide by 67 inches tall. I can do a lot with that. Okay. Granite, on the other hand, because those, that's a natural stone, those slab sizes range, right? So I might have a smaller slab and I have to put that together with another slab. So there's just, it's a little bit more technical, right? I can't just assume that all those slab sizes are the same. Whereas an engineered stone, a man-made stone, um, is going to be very consistent with the sizing. So I personally consider it easier to work with. Uh, I used to do a lot of granite work, and I've almost exclusively switched over to um, engineered stone, meaning quartz product. Um, so that's that's quartz. And also, obviously, because there's so, uh, there's so many brands within that, I can find a, a less expensive but still high-quality brand that works really well for a client. So I, I'm, it's not as price sensitive, I feel. Um, and that's a seven on the Mohs scale, Mohs hardness scale. So it's incredibly hard. Okay. And, but it can still chip. If you take a cast iron pot to any of this stuff and you hit it directly on the edge, you can, you can make a chip, but engineered stone is easier to repair. And so this brings me to my next, um, grouping. The reason it is easier to repair is because the color and the pattern goes all the way through the thickness, the three-quarter inch thickness. So if a, there's a chip on the front, the pattern is the same all the way through. Um, I'll provide some pictures uh, next week so you guys can see what I mean. But basically, it's the same color all the way through. So it, from a fabricator standpoint, it does make it easier for us to repair. All right, so that brings me to quartzite, okay? Now, quartzite is it sounds like quartz, okay? But quartzite is actually, um, it, it is definitely hard, okay? It's harder typically than granite. And it sometimes has the look of marble, but it's much harder and denser, okay? And it has a pretty big range of topics, but the biggest difference, so I'd say it is very much on the six to seven uh, Mohs scale, but only if you get hard quartzite, okay? And so what you want to make sure of is that you're not getting soft quartzite. And so sometimes you can even ask when you go to pick out slabs, you want to make sure is this hard quartzite because soft quartzite is basically like marble. Okay. And it's a, basically it's a pure quartz sandstone. So it's a little bit different than granite. 
okay? But it's it still comes out of the earth. It's still natural product. Um, but it has a kind of a very distinct look, I think. So that's quartzite. And I do like quartzite. Um, it comes in a kind of a range of finishes, honed, leather, leathered, and polished. So sometimes I've used honed and leathered quartzite. It has a very soft, luxurious look in a kitchen. And sometimes it's hard to find that in granite. Uh, but it definitely looks different than quartz, traditional quartz engineered stone. Okay. It's still a natural product. Okay. Let's move on to porcelain. So porcelain is the one that is, uh, the one that I really wanted to talk about. Okay. Porcelain is sort of on the market sold as a very hard, dense material. And that is true. I'd say it's probably, um, I'd say it's a six to seven on the most scale, but the real distinct thing. So it is definitely non-porous. It is scratch proof, right? It is heat resistant. Um, it is a hundred percent man-made. Okay. Porcelain is man-made. It has a law, law, a large range of pattern and color. It is wild, widely available, but it is not repairable. Okay. So this is my big thing with porcelain. Um, it is kind of newer on the market in the last couple of years. And so a lot of designers specify porcelain. It's very common that they specify porcelain. But the issue is that porcelain is basically a resin that is poured over the top of the actual core material. And so the pattern does not, the pattern and color does not go all the way through. So what happens is if you get a chip on the edge of that, you can't really match the color. It's very difficult, right, to make a, a, a truly invisible repair. So I do not specify porcelain myself because I just know what, what can happen. You're, you know, you're picking up a pot and it's heavy and it slips a little bit and it kind of nicks the edge of your countertop or your kid's pulling it out of, the, out of a drawer and he nicks the top, the underside of the countertop or like things happen in a kitchen, right? Like that's the reality. And so I... I have a really hard time specifying porcelain unless I know that the person is very, the client is very, very aware of its limitations and is really careful with really hard, heavy objects. So that's my sort of thing. Um, porcelain does come in very large slabs. So again, you can cover an entire island with it. It's beautiful. There's some gorgeous ranges of it. It comes in both a, you know, kind of a satin, uh, muted finish and a high gloss. Um, so it's, it's beautiful. But again, for me, I've just seen, I've done a lot of repairs myself where people have called because they can't figure out how to repair it. And there's just only so much that I can do with that. All right, let me move on. Let's see. So we've done, uh, yeah, we've done all that. So now I want to talk about, um, Corian real quick, because Corian is kind of a quick one. So Corian is, it's still used actually to this day. Um, Corian is a plastic. It's a very high-end plastic, a very dense plastic. And Corian is the brand, okay? But it is what we consider a man-made material, right? It doesn't come out of the earth. Uh, Corian is used a lot in schools and hotels and restaurants and fast food chains and dentist offices and like just every, any commercial application, hospitals, and it's used because it is non-porous. Okay. It's a plastic, but it's non-porous. It is hypoallergenic. It does not sustain bacteria on its surface. So that's why it's used so much in hospitals and restaurants and stuff. So 
I personally love Corian. It comes in all kinds of, from solid to some beautiful colors. And its true claim to fame is that you can take two pieces of it and glue it together sideways and then sand out that seam. And it is invisible to the eye. So Corian is beautiful when you have like curved islands or, um, you know, an island that fits into a sink or something where you do want zero field seams, meaning the seam that you do inside the house to put two larger pieces together. It is also um, not heat resistant because it's a plastic. It is a very hard plastic, but again, I would never put a pan directly on a countertop, but Corian is one you literally cannot do that. So you need to have a trivet, a towel, something. The other real reason to use Corian is the sinks. So if you want a truly integrated sink, a sink that is glued on from the underside and then routed, that little extra edge is routed and then sanded over, it is a truly waterproof sink that has no edges, no silicone, no nothing. So it is beautiful for that. And that's another reason it's used a lot in, you know, in restaurants and stuff like that. But I, I've pretty much stopped using Corian for probably, I don't know, maybe 10 years now, but it is still a viable solution. And it's real thing is no field seams because you can't see the field seams and the sinks that are glued on on the underside. So that's, that's Corian. Okay. But it is non-porous and it is hypoallergenic. It does not sustain bacteria on its surface and it's beautiful and it's soft and it looks great. So, you know, it's also a less expensive option. Um, that's another reason why it might be a little bit harder to find fabricators. That was the first thing that I was certified on was Corian might be a little bit harder to find fabricators, but it's great. It's also really great in showers. It, It can give you that stone look, but the walls are easier to do and easier to manipulate for the fabricator. They're not nearly as heavy. All right. So that's, that's Corian, another man-made product. Um, so let me talk about marble real quick. And then I'm going to talk about my last one. So marble It comes out of the earth again, and it is recrystallized carbonate minerals. So a little bit different than granite, right? Granite is is melted down in the earth, inside of the earth, quartz, okay, quartz mineral, which is a much harder mineral than carbonate, okay? Carbonate is very soft on that Mohs scale. It's down around a two or three. So it's recrystallized. And it kind of looks hard, (laughs) right? It looks like a hard stone, but it's quite soft, okay? It's quite soft because it's basically calcium, calcium carbonate. So um, it is beautiful. I mean, there is just such a range of marbles. That's why I'm going to do a whole nother show on just the colors, the variety, the patterns, how I would use marble in a home. Uh, I personally love it in bathrooms, um, shower walls, offices, you know, all kinds of bar tops, like different things, except for the main kitchen. So I'm going to do a whole episode just on marble, some beautiful applications for it. So if you love it, like don't give up on marble, right? Um, the other thing is people think it's really expensive. You can find marble in lots of affordable choices. So I'm going to do a whole episode just on that. But in the scope of what we're talking about here, um, it is a very soft and it's very porous. So those are the, and it's not heat resistant. So those three things, and obviously scratchable, those three things kind of, for me, make it completely not applicable for a main kitchen area. I would never, almost never <laughs> specify it unless I have my client literally sign a waiver saying that 
anything that happens to it is not my responsibility, right? Because it's not, it's not really repairable. So um, that's marble. All right. Now I want to talk about the last thing, which is a um, last of the like large categories is something called ultra compact stone. Okay. Now this is a new, new ish type of material. And uh, it's really interesting. Like there's two brands that, that I've used the most, which is Decton and, um, uh, uh, oh my gosh, what's it called? Decton and, oh my gosh, Neolith. Sorry, Decton and Neolith. Now these are really interesting, okay? These are what's called um, centered, sorry, hold on. Let me Let me get this thing right in front of me so I can say it better. We don't typically say it out loud, but it's basically like a new way of producing stone. Okay, so it's centered stone. And what that means is that they take the stone and it's crushed up and it's pressurized. Okay, it's put into these huge pressurized things with heat and pressure. And so it literally makes them incredibly strong. Okay, so I'd probably call this like maybe a seven or an eight on the most scale. So they are truly heat proof. Okay. So you can actually put something with fire on top of them. They're extremely heat proof, scratch proof, and obviously completely non-porous. So they are beautiful products to work with, but they are expensive. Okay. Just like you would imagine they are expensive. So Um, The other thing that is good about them is that the color, the pattern goes all the way through. Okay. The color goes through. Now the pattern does not go all the way through. So I kind of misspoke that. Sorry. But even for me as a fabricator, if the color tone goes all the way through, that definitely makes it easier. What you don't want is like a dark, like you don't want to like, let's say porcelain. Porcelain, you can buy a black porcelain top or a dark gray but it's only on the very top eighth of an inch. So if you chip that and underneath the actual substrate is bright white, right? That makes it really difficult to repair, okay? So with Decton, the color does go all the way through. Um, the, the actual pattern that's on top does not, but even if the pattern, the color goes through, it still makes it easier, okay, uh, to do repairs. They come in really large sizes, so you can cover like an entire um, island, around 126 by 60 ish, but you know, 55, 60 ish. And, um, they come in a range of colors and a range of patterns. Um, but I will say, so they have everything going for them, but there are a few downsides. Okay. So they are, um, they are not wide, widely available. And because they are hard, so hard to work with as a fabricator, there's a lot less people that actually know how to work with them, you know, really well, because they're so hard. They're so hard that it's actually hard for our tools to cut them. So you really, really need somebody that knows what they're doing. That's really worked with it. So, um, um, so that's, you know, and outside of the price, right? They're, they're more expensive. So, that is your ultra compact stones. Okay. And obviously that is in the engineered stone, the man-made category. All right. So those are five to six, uh, types of stone that you can use for your countertop. We've talked about whether it's porous or not, heat proof or not, scratch proof or not. The big differences for me are, so what I use 99% of the time is engineered stone. And the reason for that is it's got all the best qualities that I want, 
but it's still avail- it still has enough range of colors and patterns for most of my students and clients. It has a range of pricing so that it can fit a lot of budgets. It is widely available, which means it's easier for more fabricators to work with it, which means it's less expensive for your fabrication cost. And it's still non-porous and heat resistant and stain proof. So those those are like the kind of amalgamation of things that I'm looking at. Um, and it comes in large sizes, right? The 126 by uh, 65, 67. And I need that because I'm doing a lot of big islands typically. So that is sort of the range of materials that you guys can um, expect. And so there's also underneath... Um, Underneath quartz, I just wanted to kind of give you some ranges of brands. So underneath quartz, traditional quartz, just regular quartz, are things like Silastone, Caesarstone, and Cambria. Those all three are the same type of material. Okay, so they all fall under regular quartz. Then you have quartzite and granite. Those are natural stones, and of the two, Typically, quartzite is a little bit harder as long as you specify hard quartzite, but they're still you know, made up kind of of the same material, right? Crushed quartz that came out, that got melted down inside the earth and then came up to the surface and we cut it out of the side of the mountain. Okay. Range of variety of colors, range of varieties of prices, wide, widely available and easy for lots of fabricators to work with. So those are the two biggest ones. Then you have those ultra compact stones, which are still man-made and the two brands that are kind of the most, the biggest brands are Decton and Neolith. Okay. So I'm hoping that helps a little bit. Um, the brand of stone that, of engineered stone that we use, the brand of quartz that we use, um, is less expensive than the three that I already listed because those are top end brands, not because of quality, but because they're the biggest in the market. So you pay a premium for, for ordering those, you pay a premium for working with them, Obviously I can get those, but I prefer to use um, two brands that I work with myself that I can get for around 40% off. And they're just as strong, just as good of a warranty, all the same, you know, the same qualities are there. Um, So if you're asking, if you wanted to know like what I personally use, that's what I use for probably 85 to 90% of all the jobs that I specify. All right, guys. So I'm hoping I wanted to just give you enough, but not overwhelm you so that you really understood the differences between them. And for me, the big difference between marble and porcelain is that marble is way too soft for a kitchen, soft, porous, and scratchable. And not because of price though. And porcelain, the reason I don't use porcelain is because it is very difficult to repair and make it look uh, perfect basically. So that's the only reason why though. But other than that, marble is, I mean, sorry, porcelain is great. It's widely available. It's easy, fairly easy to work with. It is definitely hard, but when something happens, it's very difficult to make it look like it didn't happen. So, okay, guys, tomorrow's episode, we're going to talk, I'm going to get even deeper into some details. We're going to talk about edges. Um, what is lamination? What are field seams? Um, you know, how do you pick a good fabricator? How do you know, like what you're looking for? Um, a whole bunch of details, right? We're going to get into some details. And then the next episode, we're going to talk about cost. How do you figure out how much your countertops are going to cost? So you have some rough idea of how they're bid. And um, yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Great kitchen design and incredible functionality should not cost an arm and a leg. 
That's why I created Kitchen Remodel Rockstar, a membership group exclusive for women that's affordable, honest, and direct. For just $97 a month, we help you explore all those choices running around in your head, like how big is a granite slab and which color should I pick? Is porcelain better than stainless steel? And what will it cost? Should I buy a farmhouse sink in single or double bowl? Or maybe what type of cabinets should I buy? Should I buy custom? Should I do a reface? I'm really lost, right? And finally, how do I even figure out the ideal cabinet layout? Well, that and so much more is what we cover inside of KRR. It's like kitchen therapy, because let's face it, planning a kitchen remodel is stressful. So many decisions to make, it's hard to know who to trust. And that's where I come in. Look, my program has helped over 10,000 women across the country create their own kitchen system that blends high-end functionality with gorgeous design without overdrafting your checking account. So jump on in today and let's see how we can help you get your dream kitchen for less stress and money. Just like Jessica, quote, I can't believe how much I learned already. This was worth the cost and it's been two days. I am so excited to start exploring countertop options now. My anxiety is completely gone. Thank you, thank you for this group. So hey, I really wanna add your story one day and I hope you join because this is a safe and affordable place for women just like you to explore what they wanna create in their dream kitchen and get straightforward answers in real time. Just think, for $97, there's no more waiting or wondering if you're making the right decision. Now you will feel confident in every single choice and know that you have created the best dream kitchen you can for you. I hope to see you inside the club today. Go over to krr.com to sign up. That's kitchenremodelrockstar.com today.